What up, what up, what up? I am Zid Ra, and welcome to Otaku Beat. I hope it's welcome back to Otaku Beef. I'm having a great time doing these, and I feel like I'm sailing. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I'm Zid Ra, and I'm an aspiring rapper, aspiring otaku, and an aspiring human being. Hope you guys are chasing your dreams and doing whatever it is you want to do. Um... Yeah, so let's start this off right. This one is for my artists. I mean, my artists. Not my people who occasionally pick up watercolor sets and a jar of water and then paint like a couple of flowers and then hang them up and say, hey, I'm an artist. I don't mean people that just do the occasional art. I don't mean people that take a sculpture class or a a paint and drink class. I'm not talking about the people who get the adult coloring books and keep everything perfectly neat. All the petals are the same color. All the stems are the same color. I'm not talking about somebody who does the occasional art project. I am talking about those of you who wake up every day, who go to sleep every day day and just feel a a, a nervousness, uh, a thrill, your blood boiling, your heart aching, your soul shivering. This is for my artists every day who just try and figure out how can I possibly make a living doing my art. I want to be a dancer. How can I possibly make a living doing my art? I want to be a designer how can I possibly make a living doing my art this is for my artists I know what it's like and I would 100% know what you're going through life is a challenge it's difficult it's frustrating especially if you look around and you're in the wrong environment let me ask you a question If you come up with a great idea and everybody asks you why instead of how, you're in the wrong environment. If you design or paint or make something amazing so much so that you spent hours, days, weeks accruing the tiniest bits of, 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 of material so you could fashion the tiniest little detail that the majority of people aren't going to notice, but you're going to notice. And then even after it's done, you still see the mistakes, the hindrances, the what ifs. And then when you show it to everybody at its best, after that's the best you can do, and they say, oh, okay, so what, what do you want to do? You want to get something to eat? You're in the wrong environment. All these other motherfuckers have no idea the time, the energy, the, the, the self-sacrifice that you make every single day. Oh, I can't go to that party. Why? Because you're working on your art. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, have the, uh, I don't have the money to go to that expensive restaurant 
and celebrate Johnny's 38th birthday because why? Because I'm working on my art. I just bought these turntables. I just spent $400 on a beat program. I just spent freaking $300 on paint brushes, on an easel. This is for my artists. You've got to find out where you belong because it's hard. Most people don't understand. I call them meat and potatoes people. They don't understand why you want to eat quinoa. They're like, where's the beef? Where are the potatoes? That's all they know. That's all they can fucking comprehend. So if this is you, if this is, if, if you're a frustrated artist, know that you are not alone. We're in this together. We're family. We're crew. I'm Zid Raw. Let's get this day off started. And if you're doing art, I love you. I appreciate you. Keep doing what you do. Shoot. So... It, it, it pains me. It pains me when I think about all these people who are just, they're, they're stuck. They're stuck doing all this shit that they cannot stand. And it's almost universal. Like, you know, the road to happiness is paved in blood, it's paved in, in sweat, it's paved in tears, frustration, years upon years, and it's nice to enjoy the moments of escapism and everything, but sometimes all you want to do is create, and all you want to do is create in a place where your words and your voice and your images can be seen like man I talk I talk to buddies I got a buddy and he's a very brilliant social artist he understands the flow and the movement of people and for the longest time he is able to kind of leverage that skill into other endeavors but when he was in the wrong environment all he did was just met with frustration was met with frustration was met with frustration because they weren't they didn't know how to utilize his strengths and not even did they not know they didn't care to know that's the other thing that nobody really tells you is that when you're in an environment where they have no idea what you're talking about not only do they not know, they don't care. If you speak French, why should someone in Spain give a damn and try to learn how to speak French? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's the reality of everything. And it's so funny too, because I hear it all the time. People in businesses, people in offices, they get up they drive on their long commutes. They sit in traffic that they hate. They finally get to office. They feel accomplished to get there uh, five minutes late. And then they get there and their, their, their boss, their manager, their supervisor looks at their watch. And they're just like, I don't know, you're pushing it. <laughs> just drove in traffic. There was two accidents, freaking a pothole. I had to change... Uh, I had to put the air in my tire. I had to get gas because I couldn't get it last night because I was working here until 8 p.m. 
I got friends like this, man. It frustrates me. I want everybody to be able to do what they do, but the problem is that our society that we've cultivated values shit that's immaterial. It values the machine. And if you're not in service to the machine, then you're disposable or beyond disposable. You're you're a hindrance on improvement. All they understand is the machine. Is it in service to the machine? Then it's good. Is it not in service to the machine? Then it's bad. It needs to be removed. It needs to be expunged. So all my artist friends who are photographers, musicians, uh, singers, songwriters, um, fitness artists, body artists, all of them basically have to leave and kind of do your own thing. Because... The agenda of the machine is suppression. It's not just unacknowledgement, it's suppression. It's false acknowledgement, it's false facts. They try and uh, dupe and duplicate once they've duped. I always say that it's like Animal Farm where the pigs eventually to get more and more lenient with the human beings until the human beings are like, no, come in. Here, have, have a cigar. Have, have, have some brandy. Ooh, here's a new hat. Now you're indoctrinated. Alright? Now you're one of us. That's what the machine does. Don't let the machine quash your artistic nature. Make good art every day. But it's still, you know, it can be kind of beautiful. This is one of the things that I, I just love about human beings is that we get these little artistic pockets. One of the most amazing things about the internet is that you don't have to look too hard to kind of find your circle. Whatever you're into, whatever you like to do, there's a platform for you. There's a club for you. It's free to join. All you need is access. You really, you don't even need a landline. You just need a phone. That is kind of the way of things. That's the way of the future. That's how it is. And so there's a lot of ability to really blossom and really fluctuate by seeking out your own group you know water finds its own level is a very common saying and that just means that water no matter what will find out the place where it belongs if it runs long enough and that's what it's like to be a um, an artistic minded person it's a art is a very fluid endeavor it's changing it's shifting and you're working you're working you're working you're working you're working you'll find where you belong when I was in high school I took AP art and at my school Everybody at my school, it was a college preparatory school, but they were training to be 
Doctors, lawyers, businessmen. Doctors, lawyers, businessmen. Investment bankers. That's kind of the only thing that mattered in that regard. However, there was a small pocket of us that were artists. And just the freedom and the ability to have some place that you can go and just do and paint and draw and play music. It was very uplifting. When I was in college, I met a friend of mine randomly who had a big wall scroll of Final Fantasy VIII. It was Renoa from Final Fantasy VIII hanging from his bed. And there was, of course, that instant connection. He was like, you watch anime? I was like, you watch anime? And then other friends would come in who watched anime. And so there would be four of us watching all the latest shows that he was able to find. He was in a fan subgroup before there was any same-day streaming, before there was any Crunchyroll. I remember when Crunchyroll was new, too. Love that site. But we found where we needed to belong. All of us anime fans, all us otaku, all us geeks, all us nerds, we found where we belong. Recently, me and some buddies, we went to an anime convention and it's the same thing. It's just, it's just a, a meeting of the minds, the, the, the draw, the gravity, the beauty, the brilliance. I love the fact that this is possible. I love the fact that you can go where you're not only appreciated, you're celebrated. And you're celebrated for being who you are as opposed to what they are trying to turn you into. That's the key. And if you're not there yet, keep pushing. If you're not there yet, keep searching. If you don't quite know exactly what you wanna do, do what you're doing right now, you'll stumble upon it. I just wanna encourage artists to be artists. I really want artists to be free because the only freedom comes within the mind. No one gives it to you. When you're free in your mind, you're free all the time. I'm Zidra. So, I was watching this uh, video that my buddy and I were talking about. It's about the Unreal Engine 4. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Unreal Engine is, it's a, it's a gaming engine. It's one that, or it's a game creation engine, I should say. Every single year, or every like three or four years, whenever they come to E3, they, they, they'll spend some time talking about the different gaming engines, which is what developers use to create video games on. So there's like the Unreal Engine, there's the Frostbite Engine, uh, and a score of others which I just don't know about. So, I was watching this video, it was called Unreal Engine 4.0 
photorealism is here if you really want to take a look at it it's up on YouTube and there's like a bunch of videos of how photorealistic the graphics are of this video game and I guess this is a demo that of what's what's to come what's around the corner which is what happens a lot of the time because they get we get hyped up on what's next what's next when it comes to uh, graphics because obviously what we're trying to accomplish is photorealism now photorealism it's a weird thing because there's an old joke where uh, it would show someone playing video games um, it would show them playing video games like indoors and then they'd say hey I have the best graphics at all and they'd like open a window like the best graphics are outside you know which is kind of kind of funny kind of lame you know the typical typical shit where they try to point out that video games aren't cool or video games aren't like real if you want reality just go outside and you'll really be doing something you know typical like 1995 uh, like humor but now now that people are seeing what they can actually be done like and it's so stupid not stupid but it's so crazy because all this stuff the people who are saying stuff like that they'll love like the Avengers and they'll love Age of Ultron with all of that CGI graphics that are finding ways to incorporate that and make it feel real. One of the key things that made Lord of the Rings so good is because the CGI felt real when the Urukai are marching across the world, when the giant swaths of soldiers are fighting these massive battles. Those weren't real people, that was CGI that felt real. Well, now we're trying to get the CGI in gaming to look real. So, my buddy brought up a really good point. He was like, okay, this looks amazing. And you gotta check out the video if you haven't already, because it does. We're walking around a house, or you're walking around the forest, or um, there's a couple of others. I watched the house demo, and the table looks crazy real. You can still tell that it's CG, but it looks about as far as we've ever come in our lives. The, 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 the dining room set looks crazy. We're walking, wandering around in first person. It looks amazing. My buddy was like, okay, we need to see some people. What do people look like? Because that's really where we get thrown off. The whole concept of the uncanny valley, which you can Google that term if you want, where everything looks real. But when they try to make that realistic human, Something's, something's off if it gets a little bit too real it throws us off and we're disgusted there is a couple of games where they looked real for their time um, what were those games where it was basically you were playing a movie and there was no real game to it um, Heavy Rain was the first one that type of creation where they're going for the most realistic thing that they can think of brings about these type of photorealistic demos because we want to see what we can do but without the people and without the physics what's really what's really becoming of our video game system because we can have a whole realistic world all we want but it it doesn't really matter if all of the characters look and behave like Mario so I think that's why a lot of developers kind of like stay in that kind of cartoony vein 
because it's just easier. What up, what up, what up? It's Zidraw, Z-I-D-R-A-W on all channels. I hope you guys are just still doing good. If you're having a bad day and you want to cheer yourself up, go to my Snapchat. I'm facing off an epic battle against my mortal enemy and it's all documented there. He's, he's coming, he's after me. I'm trying to get away. I thought I got away, but I don't know. Go over to Snapchat, search for Zid Raw, see how the story is playing out. If you want to see a little bit of moment, just so you can see when he first rears his head, go to my Instagram, Zid Raw the Wizard. Hopefully that cheers you up to know that your day is going better than mine. But I want to continue on. We were talking about photorealism in video games, you know, how we really want that realistic setting. We want that amazing scene. We want everything to be so immersive that it feels as if we're there. And that's really what we're going for. People, I think we get into photorealism so hard is because we're trying, we're really trying to disappear into the games that we're playing. So we're sitting and we're playing these games and we like being transported into these locations. So the people that are 100%, that's their main focus, that photorealism, I think it's because they're super concerned with immersion, with, with being sucked into the world that is kind of laid out in front of them that has been concocted by another creator. It's pretty damn cool. So I think that that's a beautiful thing. But I don't know if it fully translates because the immersion factor, it's not the realism that creates immersion. Otherwise, there would be no immersion with A Link to the Past. There would be no immersion with Super Mario 64. There'd be no immersion with Final Fantasy 15. But there is. It's not because everything looks real. There would be no immersion with Tetris. You see what I'm saying? It's not... The, 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 the graphics themselves, it's the right graphics for the right world, for the right story, with the right sound. It's the, combi- the right combination to give you the right dish. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have the best ingredients in the world, but if you don't have milk, you ain't having ice cream. Get what I'm saying? <coughs> so... I think about that and I think about the immersion of what they're trying to do with Unreal Engine 4 and it's it's really pretty. Can they make it? I don't know. I hope so. Because I want to see things be taken forward to another level. I'm super big on what can we do next? What hasn't been? How can I get inside this world even more? Because when I'm playing an RPG and if you don't know, let me show you. RPGs are my favorite video game genre, specifically JRPGs, but I love a Western RPG as well. But I have an affinity for JRPGs because of how immersive the world is and how in-depth and how deep the story is. 
Western RPGs, I have an Affinity for because of how deep the character customization is. That's one of the reasons why I love Dragon's Dogma so much is because it came closest to giving me what I wanted, which is character creation in a deep story, right? With a great combat system. The only problem is there weren't enough locations. The traveling was not great. But you could customize everything. You could customize your crew, which I loved. You could customize your people, the the pawns that you got. You could pick the ones you wanted. It would have only been even better if you could have designed your entire people. Like, I'm going to design a fighter. Now I'm going to design a mage. I would have preferred even that. Let me go super deep and really commit to these characters that I'm creating because I feel like some of the game is lost in choosing new pawns. If I had to create a character and then create another character and design all of them, I'd be in hog heaven. So that's immersion for me. But I want I wanted to go further than that. I want it to be beyond just the graphics. So here's where I want video games to go. I want augmented reality. We got our first real taste of that during uh, Pokemon Go, where it just blew our minds because we were able to go outside and find Pokemon in our neighborhoods. And there was a lot of people who don't play games who didn't quite get what the appeal was, but it's it's fantasizing our everyday life, right? It's the same thing as like a, a princess party or going to Disney World or uh, going to a club, saying a th- going to a theme party. What you're doing is you are actualizing an abstract concept. So like an all-white party, yeah? You probably saw it in like a movie... Maybe there was something in a movie that's something like Bridesmaids or something. Not Bridesmaids, because that's my jam right there. But a similar type movie. So you get all your friends. You say, we're going to do an all-white party. Everyone wears white. And then when you're in that moment, you're just vibrating joy. Because you are able to augment your reality to better align with your fantasy. And that's exactly what video game or what Pokemon Go did in a more concrete way where they are bringing, they're, they're turning the mundane life, the life of muggles into the world of wizards where we would go out and we would catch Pokemon and sure they made it this like, um, they made it this like pay to, pay to win, uh, mind numbing slot machine bullshit that eventually you know, a lot of people pulled out of when there wasn't as much game as there was um, curiosity there. And there wasn't much control in terms of my character, my leveling up ability. It was a lot, a lot of luck, a lot of chance, even though you could kind of spin the Pokeball, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't as detailed in terms of you kind of being self-directed with what you can and cannot do as an actual Pokemon RPG is, but that was the first glimpse into the future. 
Because let me tell you what I want. I want a pair of like glasses or goggles that I can just put on some resistance feeling gloves where I can carry like a sword and a shield. And I want to walk up and down a hill fighting monsters for, for, for potions and gold and treasure. I want to walk around playing my RPG in real life. That would be fantastic. I remember when I was a kid, like I was like not not too young. I was like 13, 14. I remember specifically my I was I was playing Tony Hawk and you know, my dad said, you know, typical old person talk. Man, I wish you could go outside and play some of that outside. You know, because since video games were indoors, they were invalid, right? But I was like, man, it'd be kind of crazy if we could play video games in real life. Like an RPG where you just dash out and you chop down the monster. And then like when I was a kid, I used to like fantasize about, wouldn't it be great if I could just go outside and I could go and, uh, and defeat monsters and just collect gold. Then I could buy all the video games I want. Don't have to wait on allowance. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like it's coming. That's the future. And what if you don't have to go outside? What if you're just there? What if you're transported via VR or what have you and you are just absorbed into this other world? And it feels real. It's not. But what if that's the way? That's virtual reality, but augmented reality will be so crazy. Where you're going about your daily life, you're having lunch, and it's like, oh shit, hold on, Bill. A dragon just showed up. Let me get my gear. I got to take this thing down or oh, another dragon. I don't feel like it. Go ahead and keep playing the maids of winter at the, at the pub or what is it? The dragon boy comes. We say like, you know what I'm saying? That'd be fine. Yo, there's been a, a, a lot of talk about virtual reality and I wanted to try it, but I've never really felt the pull because, frankly, I don't really know of any games in virtual reality, which I feel as if my experience is going to be enhanced. Well, no, no, no. I don't know of any games of games that I, I, I prefer. I would prefer to play. I don't know of many RPGs. I don't know of any um, JRPGs or Final Fantasy type issues. All I know is that when we watched all the anime shows, right? So one of my buddies, he's big into Sword Art Online. I have tried to watch that show forever, but it's a little bit too much of a downer for me to enjoy where they're, it's not like they get to go to an RPG world and they're getting to experience it and getting to know that it's hard, but it's really fulfilling and cool and satisfying. They're trapped. They can't get out. It's depressing. People are crying left and right. People want to leave. And while that's cool, but after like five or six episodes of that, I was like, I'm out. I'm, I'm good. It's not really getting me. It's not satisfying me. The animation is really fire, but I'm not there. So there's that. And then before that, there was, um, shoot, I'm, I'm freaking blanking. The whole series of trapped in the RPG MMO setting 
anime, and I'm sure I'll think of it later. When I do, I'll mention it on here. But there's a whole series of them, and they even made video games based on this show, which is almost crazy because it's like a video game based on a show based on a video game. Like it's a snake eating its own tail. That was <laughs> that that yeah. So in that world. It was like people were stuck in the game and then they were warning people, don't unplug them because if you unplug them from the game while they're still playing it, they'll die. So people are just stuck in the game and blah, blah, blah. It was a big downer. That's not that fun. I want someone to be sucked into a virtual game or a game world and for it to be cool and fun and interesting and exciting. I don't want it to be a big depression show. So I think about that when I think about virtual reality and I'm just like, yeah, just make sure it's not a downer. I don't want it to be like all sad and everything and you can't get out and what are you going to do? And oh, I don't know. What was the name of that game? Um, they called the NMO was called The World on the show, you know, keeping it super generic. Sword. No, no, no. I almost said sword out online like a like a dumbass. <laughs> with enthusiasm too, you know what I mean? Um, virtual reality, I think, would be pretty pretty freaking cool just to be able to explore some of the more dangerous places where it's probably not in your best interest to go to, like Mount Everest. I would like to see the top of Mount Everest, but I ain't climbing shit. I'm not going up to this mountain. I'm not scaling. I'm not going in the snow and like hoping our tent will survive in case this giant blizzard. If an avalanche comes, you're, you're, you're dead. Like, I'm not doing that. But give me that virtual reality um, Mount Everest exploration game and I'm there. Stuff like that, under the sea. I'm not going deep sea diving, but I will do virtual reality and the giant whale swims around and you're like, oh, you get startled and everything. That would be fun, but I'm not going in the ocean. I'm not James Cameron, though I love what they did with him on South Park. I may watch some South Park here in a little bit. I haven't seen it in a long time since last season, which was dynamite, by the way. But that's kind of like my notion of virtual reality. I like how they are allowing people who have been stuck inside to be able to go and just see and experience what it's like to be out in the field and walking. I thought that was really beautiful. I like the idea of people being able to go and experience other other places on the planet that they can't normally or easily get to, which is what I dig about Periscope when it first started was... You would just search, and then all of a sudden you're in Japan walking around with some guy. And I remember following someone when they were going, work, they're working on like a particle reactor in like Sweden or something. And he's like taking us through the lab. I want that type of amazement. I want that consistent type of amazement. And I want to level up in real life. I want augmented reality too. I got to go back to it because that's really my jam since Pokemon uh, Go. But yeah, help me level up. Yo, so Final Fantasy XII came out today for the PlayStation 4, um, Zodiac Edition, which is apparently the high-res version of Final Fantasy XII. Now, two things. I do not have a PlayStation 4. Two, I do not have a PlayStation 3. The last console that I really owned is the Xbox 360, and I'm going to get a PlayStation 4 because there's a lot of games that I want to play. But because the talk of the town is about Final Fantasy XII, 
I'm going to give you my feelings on Final Fantasy XII because I played the shit out of that game. I love that game. It's one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I almost think it's my second favorite. But more on that. I'm just going to kind of talk about it. So I guess if you don't want to get spoiled for Final Fantasy, skip ahead, you know, like 10 minutes. I'll talk about it for two segments here. And that'll be it. So Final Fantasy XII is one of my favorite JRPGs, like, period. But it's what is probably my second favorite Final Fantasy game. Simply for how how flexible and how customizable it is. It's It was so wonderful. Now, the original Final Fantasy XII Zodiac was released in Japan. And it was only for Japan. But what it did is it took the... I believe it's called the, the Gambit system. It's been a minute where you actually level up on this giant board and it restricted it. So it defined pre, it defined pathways for certain characters. So any character couldn't do anything, which I dislike. I like the free open version where I can pick any category for any character, any weapon for any character, whatever. It was awesome. So because it's that dynamic and flexible, your strategies are a little bit different. You don't have to have certain members in your party if you don't like them just because they heal. All the characters could heal if you wanted them to, or you could have a dedicated healer. Or you could, if you thought that Fran was sexy when she was using a samurai sword, you could give her a samurai sword. I like how all of the different characters use the weapons differently. Their models and their movements and their action uh, animations were different depending on what weapon they used. So if Vaughn had a two-handed sword and Ash had a two-handed sword, the animations were different. If Pinello had a freaking axe versus Balthier having an axe, it's different. I really liked that because that felt like a little bit more real world. Because in real life, anybody can kind of use anything. It just depends on your preference. So what if I, as the player, feel as if Fran prefers to uh, use a sword and shield or to use a spear? What if I felt like her character spoke to me as a spear user and she really wanted to be a dragoon, but the dragoons are all dead? Like I'm defining more in additional story and backstory in uh, everything that she does. So why can't I have it that way in the game? I don't, but anyway, Final Fantasy XII was so much fun. No, it wasn't the Gambit system. Hold on, hold on. The level system was called something else. The Gambit system was actually the battle system, which a lot of people also hated, but I liked. What it did was, is you set up predetermined scripts, almost like if-then statements for your characters. They had a whole set of them. So it's like, if health goes below 40%, use heal or cure all. So if allies health goes below 20% use Kiraga and you know so they would take these actions automatically and what you would do is you could pause the game if you wanted or keep it playing but I chose to pause it and um, set up new strategies as we went so it made a very interesting style of play when it came to turn-based combat it was almost like off-handed or predetermined turn-based combat or something like that but it was it was fun it really played to my sense of exploration because if I didn't feel like stopping and hitting go 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 for each attack they could play it out they would just do it 
But if I wanted to stop and micromanage, I could. So that type of <clears throat> feeling in the game, the way it flowed seamlessly was very, very cool for myself. I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, so I'm really excited to see what it looks like high res because when I do get my PS4, that's going to be one of the first games that I buy. So, Final Fantasy XII, and once again, I'm going to do one more quick five-minute segment on this. So if you're still listening and you don't want to be spoiled on any of the story moments, that's what I'm going to get into now. So fast forward five minutes from now, I'll be done after that. Final Fantasy XII, Zidra. <laughs> the story is where it was both positive and negative. The, the type of story was crazy positive political, a little bit more um, grown up, a little bit more uh, dealing with um, conflicts of larger organizations, of, of houses, of different parties, military strategy. You didn't do any of the military strategy, but that was the backdrop for the story. There was betrayals, there was uh, a very interesting thematic world with the judges, and it, you know, it took the world basically from Final Fantasy Tactics for the PlayStation, where if you like strategy games, that's one of the uh, classics. Um, I don't know if they have it on uh, Virtual Console, but I'm sure you can find it like on an emulator or whatever. But <clears throat> the problem with the story came from when they crafted the story, it was originally supposed to be about one character. He was like former soldier, but now he's like a fallen warrior, wanderer, just kind of off on his own. But the company felt as if, well, our games are for teens, they're not going to be able to relate, so we have to make the main character a teenager. So then they, they, they then crafted the character of Vaughn, who in my opinion is the worst character, the worst main character especially out of any of the Final Fantasy games I've played. He's the worst. Why? Because he's pointless. He, he serves no point to the story. He's just kind of there. He's along for the ride. He's not really contributing anything. He's not really growing. First, the story starts. He's like, I guess I want to be a, a sky pirate. Yeah. So he's got childish ambitions. Then he's like, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe I'll just uh, I'll see what happens with Ash. Yeah. He's just going along to get along. Meanwhile, the backdrop behind him, what's actually going on with these factions and the, po the politics, that's the interesting shit. We want the person who is fully in that world. I wanted to, that guy to be the main character, or if not him, Ash, because her story, the, the, the escaped fallen princess, she's trying to get somewhere, but she's disavowed and blah, blah, blah. Her story is interesting. Now, as a result, it detracts from the impact that the story has and I don't think anybody would have really felt a certain type of way if the main character was older or younger we only care if it's good and that's one of those things that people don't realize in Wreck-It Ralph the main character is this 30 year old washed up middle-aged video game character he's basically my dad not my dad but you know quote unquote my dad he's your dad and he's the star of a children's 
animated Disney Pixar movie. But the kids love them. They love Wreck-It Ralph because the story was good. That's what's important. So I see this and I'm just like, something feels off. And then when I discovered that the story wasn't even supposed to be about Vaughn, I was like, that's it. So that's really the only thing wrong with it. Because if you kind of, yeah, he's there, but the focus, even when he's there, the focus isn't even on him. And that's what's so funny about it because it's like this story is the other character's story, but you have to play this guy who kind of like goes along for the ride. So that's really the only negative when it comes to the story. Other than that, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. The English voice acting is pretty damn good. The the setting is phenomenal. The music is just astounding. I still play the original soundtrack for Final Fantasy XII to this day. If I'm writing, I'm reading, if I'm studying, it's one of the best to ever do it, in my opinion. So if you like the flexible, um, the flexible battle system, the flexible character creation, uh, customization, I should say, if you like the big political type story, definitely check out this remastered version when it comes out, because I can't wait to replay it. And I've been looking for an excuse to replay it, and I'm so glad that I finally have one. So check it out, tell me what you think. I'll play you on here. Peace.